I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hi, guys. It's Sammy J. And welcome to a very special episode of the Let's Be Real podcast. This is actually our first virtual episode that we taped um, due to the coronavirus. And I hope all of you are safe and practicing social distancing. Um, This is a very personal and important episode launching today. I am so honored to have three members of the March for Real Lives organization on my podcast. Today is actually the two-year anniversary of the March for Our Lives demonstration that was one of the largest protests in American history. I talked to student members David Hogg, Ariel Hogg, and Executive Director Alexis Confer. We talk a lot about their plans for 2020, what the misconceptions are about gun control, what it's like running and creating a movement while being in college, and so much more. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I cannot wait for your feedback. Crazy times we're living in with the coronavirus. How is everybody doing? It sucks. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) Besides the fact that you're now in online school, you are super busy because March 24th is the two-year anniversary of the March for Our Lives demonstration, which just took the country by storm. 
First of all, it is crazy that it has been two years. And in honor of the two-year anniversary, I know that you're launching your new campaign, Our Power. Just to start, what's the goal of this campaign? Uh, it, the main goal is to get young people engaged and out uh, to elect more religious leaders that, to be quite frank with you, care about us in the first place, because um, I think we can all realize that young people are a, a sect of society, sadly, that aren't really cared about in today's uh, political environment, um, even though I would argue that we're the ones that should be cared about um, just as much as anybody else, if not even more than everybody else, because we're the future of the country. Um, and I would argue that we're probably the most valuable uh, and most important asset for our country to protect because we are the future of the United States. What is it like trying to launch a campaign in the midst of the coronavirus and having to do everything remotely? Um, it hasn't been easy, that's for sure. Uh, we've had to figure out how to lay on some of our other pillars of organizing, I guess you could say, um, within the activism environment. Luckily, uh, through different social media platforms and being a movement that was really born on social media, I would say, in the first place. Uh, it, it's been somewhat of a tough transition, but not nearly as tough as I think many other organizations are having to go through right now. And luckily, as young people, we're, we're really adept at being on social media um, and scaring uh, politicians and creating some good trouble uh, on there through Twitter. You're very um, good at that, by the way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I just try my best to uh, spell it correctly most of the time, which is difficult enough, but yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that all the time. Yeah, Twitter really needs an editing feature. <laughs> Maybe that can be the next thing you implement. Yeah, exactly. That's it, I think. Yeah. I know you guys are also implementing a new peace plan. How did this plan come about? Um, so the, the plan really came about, uh, or, or the idea for it really came about, I would say, um, at the beginning of last fall. Um, when, uh, you know, it was it had been a year after the midterms and we were really thinking, you know, how do we uh, come up with a comprehensive thing for young people to stand behind uh, as a way of reducing uh, gun violence and having a, a pretty uh, major impact? Because, you know, um, it feels like a lot of the time uh, that Congress, to an extent, uh, just does this legislation piece by piece. And we don't want this to be one law at a time. We want we want this to be a set of policies within one much larger law to be implemented because we know that, you know, um, there isn't any one law specifically that's going to be able to stop all gun violence. It's going to have to be a comprehensive set of those laws. Um, and we wanted to put that together so that we could say, instead of saying, you know, we support universal background checks and, um, you know, disarming domestic abusers and uh, individuals like that, uh, we just support this broad policy platform known as the Peace Plan uh, for you to implement as a comprehensive plan to address gun violence and set on an audacious goal of cutting gun violence in half over the next 10 years, which would be about 200,000 lives. That's insane. Yeah. What was it like it creating is. a plan like that? Um, it was pretty, uh, it, it was a challenge for sure because um, things, it, there's a lot of weight and there's a lot of responsibility that you take on. Um, as an organization when doing that and setting out this because, you know, um, it's easy to see on the TV and just look at the, it's easy to look at what happens after these instances of gun violence and just see a number uh, as oftentimes we do of just the number of people that have died from gun violence or have died in a, say, a mass shooting or just a shooting. Um, what I would argue is actually much harder though, uh, is, is to, is, for a lot of people to remember that these aren't numbers, these are human beings in the first place. And there's a lot of responsibility yeah. um, that comes with that. And there's a lot of weight 
um, and a lot of thinking that we had to put into it. Um, so the process really just looked like talking to a bunch of researchers because I myself, uh, as you know, a college freshman, um, uh, am not very qualified to write that myself. Um, so we talked to a bunch of researchers around the country and basically asked, you know, what are the best policies um, at, if, if implemented today, regardless of political climate, could there be to not only reduce uh, mass shootings, but everyday gun violence, uh, unintentional shootings, and gun suicides as well? Um, because we know that this isn't just an issue that affects, that, that is about mass shootings or any one type of shooting. It's about um, anybody that dies as, as a result of a gunshot. Um, and yeah, we talked to those researchers, asked them, and then wrote the policy uh, and announced it as uh, something that people could really get behind and be like, you know, you know, ex-congressman, like, you want to know what we support? Just look up the peace plan. It's right here. Like, these policies, it's, it's honestly not that hard to understand. This does not have to be an issue in literally every other country uh, or every other more developed country uh, besides from the United States has figured out how to do this, and you can too. I think it's so wonderful how far this movement has come in the past two years. What is it like creating a piece of legislation and talking to politicians and really, in my opinion, helping to change history? Also, how can people of any age get involved to help? Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of it, um, it, it's a big learning curve, that's for sure. It's been a big, uh, it's been a big experience, but I, I would say what I've learned the most is just Honestly, um, you know, going out there initially uh, and still to this point as just a bunch of pissed off teenagers um, and college students, which I would argue are some of the best people, historically speaking, getting shit done um, in politics. Um, uh, you know, it's great because you're able to just say, you know, like, you know, this is wrong. Everything is wrong. You're doing all this wrong. Um, but it's also scary because you realize, to be frank, how many how many, I would say, elected officials sadly just do not realize the weight of the responsibility that they have. And it's kind of ironic because we always say, we always see a bunch of stuff, or we always hear from older uh, people, uh, politicians included, you don't know what you're talking about, you're irresponsible, you know, you're a teenager and stuff like that. And what I've come to realize is actually it's quite the opposite a lot of the time. It's, uh, especially when it comes to elected officials, a lot of the time it's pissed off teenagers and college students that care significantly more than they do about the actual effects of their legislation in the first place. Um, and it's only invigorated me more to want to get more young people into politics and get politically involved. Um, and I would say for anybody that wants to get involved to get started, you can just go to marchforourlives.com um, and either join a local chapter or sign up for our newsletter um, or set up your own chapter. Yeah. So this question is for Ariel and David. Um, what is it like balancing everything, just being in college and... I'll let, I'll let the college senior take this one, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, like David mentioned, I'm a college senior. So I got, I don't want to really say like the benefit, but I had the experience of being in college before the shooting happened. So I had already worked out, like, and I work while I'm at school. So I had already worked out the balance of, like, doing, like, managing school life and then also managing whatever else I wanted to do. So I kind of had that benefit, definitely being a board member and being involved with an organization like March for Our Lives is, like, an added yeah. <laughs> number of um, hours. It's a, it's a lot more work, but... um 
since this is a student-led organization, we are all very understanding with each other and like understand that like we can't do everything and that we can't be everywhere. And sometimes, you know, like the best we can do is send out a tweet or repost something on Instagram or something like that. And that's, you know, our work for the day. But um, it also gets kind of hard. And I know this is something I experienced last semester, not committing myself to everything. Alexis, what's that like? Because I know you've worked for a bunch of other people before. So how has that been um, creating this whole plan since last fall? Well, I I will say uh, entering into the space where there is such commitment from the young people who founded it. I mean, it's an amazing question. You ask uh, them about how they're balancing their time because every single time I talk to David or Ariel, I'm like, okay, what are you doing for fun this week that's just for you? for your mental health. It's not school. It's not March for our lives because, um, you know, I wanted to be in the space where I just saw such incredibly dedicated young people. You know, I've been an activist since I was in college and to see, um, the ideas excite me, like walking into a room where there were so, already so many ideas, so much passion behind it and thousands of students who are ready to go, you know, run right into it and, and take this on, um, gives you a lot of energy to do any sort of planning. And so, you know, my goal and the team's goal is how can we harness their energy, really clear the lanes for them so that when we, when we are calling David or Ariel or somebody else, and quite frankly, it's constant dialogue. I mean, we are, we are like a family and we are uh, very involved with our student board members, which David and Ariel both are, um, our student Congress, which is um, over 20 young people from across the country. Some are in school, some are not in school, um, but they are all elected by their peers and they're really an advisory board to me and the team to keep us accountable. Um, yeah, I mean, making history is not easy, just to say the least. And do you guys enjoy college? Do you guys go to parties? Do you guys do that? Or is it just close friends? And what's the balance within that? I mean, it's it for me, it's pretty cold in Boston, so I, I don't like going outside <laughs> very much. Um, but uh, for me, a lot of the time, it just comes down to building routine around your activism. Um, and not letting your activism become your life, which is extremely difficult when you care so much about something. Um, and what our main focus here really, and I think part of what makes this special as an organization specifically built as a place for, uh, and by young people, um, which I know we've had to, uh, we've had to work through a lot because obviously having a bunch of college students work full time isn't the most sustainable thing. So what we try to do is like after kids come out of college, um, like immediately after they come out of college, trying to hire them to work on our field team um, or when they're in college, as with our our regional directors, hiring them as part time as part time staff that are working about 20 hours a week, uh, managing several hundred chapters across the country as college students um, so that we try to avoid those all nighters. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a very it, it's been I will say the hardest one of the hardest things about this. Uh, job aside from everything in, in in the job specifically is learning how to gain a work-life balance. So one of the things that I've always been curious about is how did you guys come up with the name March for Our Lives? Honestly, to be frank with you, I don't even really remember because I was doing so much press at that time. That wasn't my role um, when we started doing that. I think it was just more than anything like um, well, we're doing a march and, you know, it's around kids not dying in like schools and in their communities or in their homes. Um, 
at least, like I honestly don't really even know because like when <laughs> even if I was in the room I like I don't even remember just like, a blur it, it's just a blur because we were sleeping when we were doing the march and everything we were sleeping I would say an average at most of five hours to four hours a night and traveling every single day to a different state and things like that for a month straight or a month and a half straight uh and your memory is just completely done uh when that happens uh, which is what we're trying to avoid yeah but yeah and i can't imagine what it's like to go through this traumatizing event and then you're recounting it the next day to people in press and you're doing that over and over at this point when people ask you about it is it like does it still feel like you're there when you talk about it or does it, does it feel like a distant story you tell um, it honestly just kind of, to me, it feels a lot like, um, at the time it, it, like I was obviously there, but I really saw myself almost in, a, in the role of a, uh, a student journalist or almost like a, some kind of correspondent or something. Um, not knowing if like, you know, the kids, if me and my classmates were going to die at that time. Um, so it's obviously triggering to an extent and I don't like to focus on it too much either because it's, there's so many other stories to tell around gun violence. You know, I'm just one of them. And you get asked about it all the time still. And it's two years later. What is that? What is that toll that takes on you mentally? Uh, it's pretty significant. And I really try to balance it by focusing, not letting my like trauma, um, motivate me in that way, but really try to, uh, have, have hope for a better future where those things never have to have to happen again and a just future where no child has to live in fear of gun violence in their school or in their community because we live in a, in a country with a government that prioritizes equitable justice, uh, which is what I would define as freedom, um, to communities that have been so disproportionately affected by purposeful historical injustices, be it political injustice that results in school shootings uh, racial or economic injustice that results in everyday shootings and gun suicides and all these other different factors or, or forms of gun violence. Um, but I really try to focus on, you know, the future and having, keeping that hope and positivity as hard as, it, as hard as it is to find in this alive, because, um, to be frank, like it, it, if it was, if it was negativity or, you know, hopelessness that ended these things or just sadness that ended gun violence, it, gun violence would have ended a long time ago. Um, but sadly we're still here and we still have a mission to do because gun violence still exists, yeah. but it does take a toll. And I think a large part of it too comes down to checking in with yourself and having people around you that allow you to step back and know that you're okay. Um, to step allow back you to and be not, human. Yeah. Not so that you don't feel like everything is on you constantly. And also therapy is great. Um, I love it. On it. Yeah. Going to school, I've just experienced anxiety, especially since Parkland, mm -hmm. just because you, everyone says it's not going to be your school. And then that's what happens. How do you get through it? And what advice do you have for people who are in college or high school, just that are anxious during the day because they hear something that frightens them? Really, there is no way to respond to that because it's like, you know, I, I think about it almost like our parents or our parents' parents in some cases, you know, going through, you know, nuclear drills at school where it's like, oh, God, let's prepare for this thing that shouldn't be happening. And there's basically no way to survive. But because our government can't figure out a way to stop it, um, now we have to face the consequence. And like yeah. you couldn't really go back to that time and just be like, yeah, duck and cover. You'll be fine. There's just like a nuclear blast coming your way. Um <laughs> 
But what does give me hope is that that anxiety that people felt in that time period is part of what fueled the anti-nuclear effort in, you know, throughout the 70s and 80s um, that helped create, you know, pretty major unilateral treaties between uh, the United States and the Soviet Union for arms reduction and created a much safer future uh, and, and reducing the likelihood of a nuclear war ever happening. And I think Sadly, that that's probably going to be what's happening here with gun laws in the future is, all you know, we're raising our politicians because of their inaction um, or their uh, ownership, I guess you could say, of by organizations like the NRA are creating a generation of traumatized children, not just in schools, but in their communities, too, where, you know, kids have to oftentimes, you know, for for decades or hundreds of years have had to walk home or run home for fear of being shot on a daily basis outside of their schools too. And they never get talked about. Um, And we have to create an intergenerational coalition of youth from every community where we know that if, if we aren't, if we're just stopping uh, shootings in schools, but there's still, it's still just as likely that shootings happen outside of someone's school or a gun suicide is still just as likely. We still have a major problem here. We can't leave people behind. Yeah. Do you think lockdown drills are effective? Because that's something I've been curious about because you have been in an actual shooting. How can we change those situations to where it can actually save lives? Uh, I I would say lockdown drills are probably just about as effective as nuclear bomb drills uh, uh, when they did that in the 1950s. What are nuclear bomb drills like? Because I don't know. Well, I mean, they basically said, hey, you're all going to die. Just duck and cover and you'll be fine. Of course, you wouldn't be because like there's like 200 mile an hour winds or whatever that come through at that time. It's like they're trying to put a Band-Aid on this like massive wound where you're bleeding out. And it's just like, are you going to put a Band-Aid on it? Are you going to actually get in there and like get some stitches on it to stop the bleeding? Right. And with that stitches in this metaphor, uh, I guess you could say is preemptive legislation that stops these things from ever happening. So, no, I don't think that. I don't think uh, lockdown drills are effective in any way, shape, or form. And if anything, they just traumatize us more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. 
The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What are misconceptions that people have about March for Our Lives and what you guys want? Because you're not trying to take away guns. 
I think people forget that. That's the yeah. biggest one I would say would be that we're trying to take away. Yeah. <laughs> that we're trying to take away their guns. Like um, on the Road to Change tour, and this is something David could speak to, um, outside of all of our events that we would go to, we would have counter protesters showing up there with their AR fifteens and their like Do they you know, actually bring them? Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like, I know for sure they brought them in Nevada and in Texas, but it's Nevada and Texas. Um, wow. Um, yeah, they would bring, and if it wasn't like their AR-15s, they would, like, if their state had con- concealed carry, they would carry. Um, and so one thing, like, that was probably, like, the main thing that I at least remember getting told. They're like, well, you're trying to take away my guns. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> trying to make it harder for people that should not have guns to get them and then make sure that we, that the people that do have guns, that we're going through the proper and necessary and comprehensive steps to make sure that you are fit to own that gun. And that when you do have that gun, that you're using it in a responsible way to where you're not putting yourself or other people into danger. And so that's probably the biggest misconception. I would say another one is that we have some type of like ulterior motive. Like the conspiracies? Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, yeah. god. Oh yeah. People think David's like some FBI informant. <laughs> Wait, David, spy. what's the craziest conspiracy <laughs> that you've heard? Oh, I I can't even begin to tell you. Um Top uh, three. Um probably one saying that I'm a twenty like eight-year-old from California that was in prison. Um, Another one saying I work for the FBI. Um, And another one saying that... uh, There's a really big one that that says that I wasn't at school that day, which is completely false. Didn't you film it? Yeah, I was at school, but they... They edited the videos to make it seem like I wasn't at school because there's a massive misinformation campaign against the survivors of gun violence. Because what they say is if if you don't survive an instance of gun violence with, and you're advocating for gun control, what they'll tell you is you can't be doing this because like you, you don't know what it's like to be affected by gun violence. So what do they say to the people that are affected by gun violence? They just have to discredit them in any way possible. So what many organizations like the NRA and others have done is peddle false conspiracy theories that literally bring us thousands of death threats and also are completely false and misinformation campaigns against us to try to discredit us as survivors and say, you weren't at school that day, you don't exist, you aren't a real person, because it to them it's unfathomable that anyone could believe that, oh, maybe we shouldn't have these military-grade assault rifles on our streets in the hands of 19-year-olds. Well, okay, why do you think they're so scared? Like, I'm just, I'm because just they know the power of young people and they know no, the power of I, a young person voting. I'm just so curious, like, what about guns in particular that makes people like, no, I, like, I have to have that? Besides that it's your Second Amendment right, because you're not trying to take them away. What do you think about it is so, uh, that hits so close to home for them? Ariel? Oh, <laughs> I think it's a false sense of security, personally. Like, I'm from Texas. I live in Texas, born and raised. So, like... I've known about guns since I was little. Um, I have family members that own guns. I know a bunch of people that go hunting. And 
I would say talking with them and just asking them like, not like, hey, like, why do you do just have, because like the people that I know don't just have one gun. They have at least five. <laughs> so, you know, it starts to get, once you get people with like, you know, multiples, like three, four, five, six, you have to start asking them, why do you feel the need to have this many guns? Like, there's a difference between a pistol and a hunting rifle. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's a mass there's a major difference. And so when you start to see people pile up these weapons of war, you have to start asking them, like, why do you feel like you need it? And if there's this false sense of security that it gives people and people feel like the more guns that they have, the more secure that they are. And so. I feel like one of the main reasons outside of just removing the NRA from it. But why everyday people that are such proponents of the Second Amendment and that are so pro-gun is they feel like by taking away their guns, there's no way to de to defend themselves from anything. Oh. Even the Second Amendment had some limitations. It wasn't like you could go get your own tank in your backyard or nuclear matter. It was meant to do a well-organized militia. And I think that even over the years, the way the gun lobby and you know the NRA has spun it has made it sound like there's there's no limitations on it and that if anybody wants to have any sort of rational conversation around doing any sort of rules in place that they're immediately trying to take away your rights which is just not worth advocating for and quite frankly what the organization has done and what david and ariel and others have done is created real spaces where we can talk about all the different types of cultures that are facing gun violence and every and day every day gun violence versus mass shooting and be in rooms with yeah. other gun violence prevention spaces and like push a dialogue around policy like they've they've isn't entered it, every room at this point isn't it like a, over 100 americans die every day from gun violence yes that is so just not okay and my next question is for you david um so i know you uh did some debate back in the day um and you are very good at getting your point across very well so i'm curious i what is the best way to get your point across um, in a debate and just in general, because that has paid off for you. It's a special balance between facts and stories as as well, because, you know, you can say that 40,000 Americans die annually from gun violence. Um, but, you know, unless unless every if you're not telling the story of one person and you're trying to tell the story of 40,000, you're ultimately going to fail at telling the story. Um, and you have to make each one of these people human to make people realize that you know, it's not just a number. Um, I always say that these people are not just numbers. They're human beings. Um, people forget that because people get lost in statistics. Exactly. And that's the tough thing is like, you can try to argue about this in numbers, but so often people just forget the humanity behind this. And I can tell you if anyone knew, you know, the people that are lost every day to gun violence um, and just, you know, how much our country loses in terms of potential and young people and how many best friends and sisters and brothers and it's you know, ridiculous not, and so unnecessary yeah it, it it's it comes down to the simple question of you know is it really worth it to have completely unregulated like practically unregulated access to these weapons of mass destruction for the death of all these people you know let's think about not only how many people are born today but how many people will be born or won't be born 20 years from now, that could have been the next person to cure cancer. That could have been the next person to, you know, be the first person on Mars. That could have been the next person to, 
get like leave the solar system or whatnot or like had a grandchild that did that but that's never gonna happen because that person died as a result of gun violence people forget that we're people especially on social media and then you put them on this pedestal as if they're not a human that they don't bleed that they don't cry um do you think if you if just hypothetically if everyone that gave you those death threats and were so just came up with those conspiracies if they like talked to you face to face and knew you as a person do you think that would have changed what they did yeah, you know, I don't know about all of them, but I would I would probably say based off the interactions that I've had with people that literally, for example, in Texas were, um, you know, at multiple events shouting my name, uh, wanting to literally, sh- like, saying they wanted to shoot and kill us, basically, and going out and talking to them. Um, these people don't realize that we're human beings and we're not... We're not funded by, you know, like, we're not pawns of, you know, some political party. We're human beings that don't want our friends to die. And It's I that simple, know, guys. I think, you know, it's often said that things are not as simple as they seem. But in this case, it really is that simple. We simply don't want our friends to die from gun violence. And we, we are working for those that, we've lost, that we love and those that we've lost as well. And we're fighting for those that can't anymore themselves because the pain is too much. And... When we meet these people in person and all of a sudden they understand that, oh, like, you know, we we may not agree on everything, but you're a human being and you truly do care about this. It makes it a lot easier. And that honestly, that's one of the reasons I really as much as I love what social media has enabled our movement to do and pick up so much steam and momentum quickly. It's one of the things I hate most about social media is is how it's so people it's very hard to storytell in a human way on social media that makes people realize that these are not just numbers. People just don't realize that we're human beings and we're kids that, you know, or young people or college students that simply don't want our friends to die anymore. And sadly, in our current political climate, we've become so divided that our elected officials can't even come together for something, the, the one thing they should be able to come together for, which is the, the protection of the future of the United States, which is us as children. Well, that's why our power yeah. is so important. So this campaign we're launching in a couple of days on second anniversary, I mean, this is this is what they've been building towards for two years. I mean, I, yeah. I find it incredibly frustrating to hear people called David and others actors. I, I see a bunch of young people who are giving all their free time uh, to be super patriotic and use their First Amendment right and speak out for others who can't, who can't speak out for themselves. And so for our power this year, I mean, I think people should be scared and hopeful that there is an entire voting block of young people who are paying attention to the news, who are online and social media, who are, you know, have all the stats like Ariel and David are doing. Like this is a, an activist generation, whether it's on gun violence prevention or climate change. And I think this this harnessing of the youth power for 2020 is going to be so important because all of the groundwork that they've laid, it's now time for elected officials to act on this and actually do something about yeah. these unnecessary deaths. I mean, this is a straight up public health crisis. It, Even it, during coronavirus, people are buying uh, lines around the block at getting gun sa- you know, on gun wait, sales. Why is that? It goes back to Ariel's point of fear, I'm sure, that people feel like... But fear of a virus? Why does that require guns? It's the fear of anything. That's what it is. Fear other humans, what will happen. Um, yeah. yeah. But we know statistically that a gun's way more likely to be used on your loved one or accidentally or using a suicide. I mean, uh, it's really, really troubling to hear the actual stats. And I think our power will be highlighting so many of these type of uh, common things that we know now 
um, really encouraging youth to get out there and vote and get registered. Like that's so exciting. This is your first time voting. I mean, I hope that everyone does not see this as a um, time where they're afraid to get out there and we need to figure out ways we can get people to go to the polls, whether it's mail-in ballots or figuring out other ways people can register to vote online and make it really simple for folks. Let's not make it this difficult process. But This conversation is extremely motivating to me. How can I get more involved and how can my listeners also get involved if they want to? Twitter. Twitter scares me. Twitter is scary, especially if you're not used to it because it gets kind of wild. It's like, you know, the zoo with no zookeepers and all the animals are just running across and just doing whatever they feel like, you know. Um, But Twitter, like David mentioned earlier, um, this movement and especially as we've seen within the past two years, a lot of these youth-led movements, whether it be United We Dream, Sunrise, March for Our Lives, um, Dream Defenders, a lot of these youth-led movements are born online, particularly Twitter, because it's a place where you can voice your views and you can connect with other people that have the same views as you. I mean, you're obviously a writer and a reporter too. So using your ability to storytell. I mean, it's, I think one thing about our organization is awesome is like you're talking about debate with David, you know, Ariel's like a lawyer, a future lawyer. I mean, everyone kind of brings their skill sets to the table. And so Maybe you're a great debater or talker. Maybe you're a great writer. We have a lot of students organization who want to do art activism. So March for Our Lives has really leaned into artivism. And so I would say join the chapter, sign up online so you get our updates. Um, we do a lot of offline things. Um, obviously, in the current state of play, we're lucky that we do do some online things as well. We'll be leaning into that. Like on, on the anniversary, we're going to do um, a several-hour several um our power hub people can hop into and hear from guest speakers and have a music section and try to create ways that people can get trained online, talk to each other online, build that sense of community online, get educated about gun violence prevention, um, and then take their own action. So registering to vote, getting yourself out there to vote, uh, running these actions ourselves, pushing, you know, educating your friends, texting five friends, like, oh, do you know that Actually, 100 people die each day by guns. Um, so I think there's so many different ways people can do a, a low ask to a high ask. I, I, just, I know how busy you all are, first off, so I just want to thank you for taking the time. And I think it, this conversation is just really inspiring, and I think it will to a lot of people. So just thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. No it's problem. Great. Um, and just to wrap it up, my last question for you. Um, so in the future... When you guys are a parent, what do you want to be able to say to your kid that this happened and you're safe in school? Uh, I want to be able to say that um, when they're reading their history books about the reason why the planet isn't underwater uh, right now um, and why kids are not dying in their schools and in their communities on a daily basis is because starting in 2020, young people took the helm and took democracy into their own hands and this was a demo- this was an election that could have had two very different outcomes, one for a future where nothing changes and a bun- the world ends with a few people with a lot of money or a world where everybody has a future uh, and other generations actually exist because humanity doesn't go extinct because young people um, got really mad in 2020 that we had adults that didn't care about our future, that didn't 
believe science that didn't believe that we deserve the right to live in the United States and that other generations that billions of other humans don't deserve the right to live because this land is not your land. It's future generations land um, that we turned out and voted because we knew that it wasn't just our lives that depend on it, but it is billions of future human beings that are our grandchildren and our future children that depended on this. And 2020 was the year that that changed. I'm really hoping. Let's um, put it out there. Let's just manifest it. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time. It really means so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you guys for everything. Stay safe out there and thank you for this. Happy voting. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you learned a lot. I know I did. David, Ariel, Alexis, thank you so much for coming on. It means so much. Make sure you follow March for Our Lives on all their socials and text CHANGE to 954-954 to join the movement. Also, follow David on Twitter at DavidHog111. Follow him on Instagram at DavidMilesHog. Follow Ariel at ArielXHobbs. And make sure you follow Alexis on Twitter at AlexisCogford. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram. It's at itsammyj. That's I-T-S-S-A-M-M-Y-J-A-Y-E. No matter what your beliefs are, I think it's really important that we educate ourselves on these issues. And if you want to hear any other topics covered, make sure you comment below. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. And I'll see you next week. Bye. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 